So we're continuing in Galatians. We've had a, we've been working the last three weeks, talking uh, through the book of Galatians. Pastor Dave and Pastor Dan have been leading us in some incredible words. Uh, if you uh, if you haven't had a chance, uh, you can check them out the last few sermons through SoundCloud or through Facebook. If you don't believe me that they're powerful, look at some of the quotes that Justin's been pulling out of it. We've got some, we've got some profound, profound things coming out of this. Um, and I've got the blessing, actually, of being able to take this Sunday and next Sunday. And when, when Pastor David asked us to cover through Galatians, he, he said he picked a few topics. He said, I'd like you to do this, like you do that. Why not? And uh, I had the privilege today of talking about the blessing of Abraham. At least I thought I did. So when I, whenever you go to study uh, the Bible or you go to talk about a, a particular passage, preach from a particular topic, you always examine the context. You always look at sort of the bigger picture. You don't just pull out the fortune cookie and, and run with that. You look at the bigger picture. So when I, whenever I study, I'll, I'll start with the basic step. Read the book. Go through the book. What, what's the author trying to say? What's Paul trying to say in this letter? And the passage I was going to preach in was in, in Galatians 4. Um, but the problem I encountered is I got to Galatians 2, and I got stuck. <laughs> Galatians 2. So, so today I'm going to have a very, very specific purpose in preaching to you this morning. A very specific thing. And like I said, I've got today and next week, so part A and part B. So part A is going to be very specific. I'm going to tell you what that is in a moment. Um, but I'm going to take you to the passage where, where we're going to look at today. So in Galatians 2, 2 verse 11 to 21, it's a large passage. In your Bible, it's probably naturally divided up that way. Uh, and it actually starts with the story in Galatians of Peter opposing, or Paul opposing Peter. How many people are familiar with Galatians? Hands up. You read this before. Right. This, this, is, this, is not a, this is not a new road for some. Uh, we've heard Galatians for, before. But there's something in this that, that we need to hear. There's something that we need to, uh, I'm, I'm convinced that we need to take with us. So I'm going to read this first. It's going to sound maybe a little bit wordy, a little bit long, possibly, but sit with it. When Peter came to Antioch, I posed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. That's a great way to start a section, isn't it? Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. And I'm reading from the NIV version, just so you're aware. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law. Because by observing the law, no one will be justified. 
if, while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I'm a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. I want you to, if you're a note taker at all, please write down Galatians 2, verse 11 to 21. Because my purpose today is that you're going to take this passage and you're going to sit with it throughout the week. That's the purpose of today. There is so much meat in this section. If you're, if you're needing, if you're feeling dry, if you're feeling hungry, if you're thinking, God, I, I need some of you, I need you to sit with this section this week. Sit with this. Chew on it. If you're saying it's tasting a little dry, I'm not getting a lot of flavor, ask the Holy Spirit. Continue to ask the Holy Spirit, but sit with this passage this week. Why? Why is this so important? See, the book of Galatians up to this point, and actually for the first half of Galatians, Paul will stress emphatically, the whole first half of Galatians is basically the, the, the same point, that Paul is saying, I didn't make this up. This gospel did not come from me. This message I'm giving, I didn't make this. Nobody influenced it. Nobody altered it. It didn't come from an existing system. It came directly from Jesus Christ to me. And the very passion and zeal, which he'd used previously to to persecute the church, that was his reputation, This, this guy that had worked against us is now for us, the very passion and zeal God had taken and directed to the right way. And Paul, in the whole first half of Galatians, is zealously saying, I have this thing given to me directly by Christ, and I'm zealous in guarding and keeping the integrity of it so I can give it to you accurately. Please take it. And he uses this to challenge the Galatians because they're taking things from other people who have shifted the gospel. This section right here, I was reading it last night, and uh, I mean, I've grown up in the church, I'm a pastor, you went and got your degree, and, and you've done study, you've heard countless sermons, and we talk in the church about the Bible being a living word, the living word of God, that the word of God is alive. That's not hyperbole. It's truth. When I sat with this last night, as I'm reading, I get to this part, and I mean, I've, I've, I've heard this before. I've st- I may have preached out of this before. I probably have. I know I have. And yeah, I'm sitting here, and I'm getting feelings, that, a little bit of fear, a little bit of wonder, a little bit of curiosity. See, that doesn't come from just reading information. Take time this week. 
Sit with this. Chew on this. There is something that is alive. There's something that was given directly to Paul through Jesus Christ that he was zealous in taking this and communicating it. Why? What's being said here? I mean, we've heard this before, right? We, we've just read this. We read a whole bunch of words. I don't know how much of it registered. It's kind of like a shoe. You know, you, you get a new shoe and you first put your foot in it and, and you feel that shoe, right? It, it feels a little different. Maybe you, your foot and the shoe got to kind of work together to, so you stop feeling it, but it, it's maybe uncomfortable at first. And after a short period of time, you almost kind of forget that it's ever there. Maybe I'm, as I'm talking about it now, you're suddenly thinking about your shoe and, and feeling it in your foot again. But for most of the day, you're not feeling your shoe. It's there. You're walking in it. You don't even think about it. In the church, in growing up as a Christian, we can take this and it becomes like a shoe to us that way. We kind of forget that it's there. We know it's on our foot. We know we're walking with it. There's times we have to take it on, put it off, we become aware of it. But for most of the day, we're kind of forgetting that it's, it's there. It's not that first experience, that first encounter when it's like, oh, this, is a, this feels different. And there's times we have to go back and let it come alive to us again. I was thinking of a story uh, uh, Martin Luther, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's people in this room probably more well versed with in his history than I am, but, uh, you know, of course, he's a famous reformer and, and had a great impact on the church, and his, his conversion story was, was fascinating. He was a guy that, of course, he was a gifted, brilliant young student, graduated, and was going to do his postgraduate work, uh, and, and uh, had a bunch of different things he could choose from and, and decide he was going to go and choose, I think it was ecclesiastical law. He was going to go and study law. And there's this great thunderstorm that happened, and it terrified him, made him scared, uh, thought about death, and, and decided at that moment he, he was going to give his life over to God. I don't know if last night you, you heard the thunderstorm. I think it was around 3 or 4 in the morning. We had uh, um, Scarlett came down just to check that mom and dad were okay and, and keep us safe. Right, you hear you hear a powerful storm. It, it kind of it, it does something to you. Well, it did something to Martin Luther, and it, it terrified him. So he diverted his focus of studying uh, into the Word of God, and became uh, quite a proficient teacher, uh, a brilliant teacher actually. Um, and he was doing his doctoral work, and and uh, was a great scholar. But in his work, uh, and again, this is someone that he's, he's well-versed in the scripture. He's grown up with it. He's studying it now at a, at a deep academic level. And he's feeling very unsatisfied. There's something in his life that's just, this, he, he's feeling kind of depressed about this, actually. He believes in God. He believes that this is the word of God. He can read it. He can teach it. And something's missing. I don't know if anybody in this room ever relates to that. I believe it. I receive it. I proclaim it. What's, what's missing? For Martin Luther, 
what hit him between the eyes was a passage in Romans about the just shall live by faith. This is a guy who was dedicated to studying the law. And he read that passage many times, as we all have. But something in that passage took him off his feet. Changed. Completely changed the way he looked at things. And created a passion in him that completely altered his life and, and actually the lives of many other people and, and us sitting in this church today. And what was that truth, the just shall live by faith? It's actually found right here in this passage I just gave you in Galatians in a little bit more detail. It so affected this person, this thing that he was used to wearing, this shoe he was used to wearing, and one day, whoop, blinders came off. And that thing that had been sitting in front of him the whole time, not that he wasn't a Christian, it wasn't that he wasn't a believer, but that thing maybe he was missing, it wasn't missing anymore. This message that Jesus gave directly to Paul to give to the church, that he was zealous in protecting, the thing that impacted Martin Luther, that changed his life. Read this section. Sit with it this week. Chew on it. Meditate on it. I'm going to go back to verse 17 for a second. If while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. See, in this section, as we read this, and why this is a bit of a section, is when you're reading the story of Peter, and then you read this, Paul's, Paul's preaching here, connect the two. The story of Peter serves two purposes here. First, it serves the purpose of showing that uh, Peter and the rest of the apostles didn't alter the message that Jesus Christ gave to Paul. Paul kept integrity. This is what, what Jesus has given me. Nobody is changing this. He was respectful to Peter and to leaders. He went and checked with them. I said after a period, I think it was, ended up being like 14 years. There's respect. There's honor. Um, there wasn't this, you know, I'm just going to play by my own rules kind of thing. But he was dedicated to keeping integrity with what Jesus Christ entrusted to him. That's part of the reason the story of Peter's in place. Because we have the gospel, we have the, the letter to the Galatians. We don't have the other letters that may have preceded this in terms of the correspondence between Paul and this church. So we know that there are some accusations that are made, some, some disgruntlement that's happening, and Paul's addressing some of this in this letter. So part of this is, is uh, saying that Peter didn't change my gospel or didn't change the message Christ gave me. This is, I'm keeping this. The other thing this is doing is it connects. Don't disconnect the first part from the second part. Peter, who had grown up as a, as a Jew, um, and, and Paul for that matter too, they, they grew up Jewish. This was something that was, was I think, unless we were to grow up as they did, something I, I think we'd, we'd struggle to understand, to be honest. Like we, for most of us here, I, I believe, you know, you, 
probably grew up in Canada, a multicultural identity, you know, the melting pot as it were. Um, that's not at all the mindset they had. Not a, not a bit. Theirs was a very distinct mindset, a separated people of all, there was the Jews and the rest of the world. And that was their identity. They had great, great, significant value and purpose in that identity. It affected every single area of their life. Whether they actually, in their life, followed the religion or not, it impacted who they were. It was the lens that they viewed the world through in every regard. Growing up that way, and, and then following Christ and having their mindset shifted, that was a massive transformation. Like, I, just, I, I honestly don't think we can fully grasp, I mean, maybe some here can, I, I struggle with it, how big of a shift that would have been. Even as something, something as simple as eating different foods that would have been viewed as unclean, that, that was a big thing that we take for granted. We've had 2,000 years plus to, to hear these stories and get used to some of these things. This was, to say the term life-changing, that's not trying to uh, upsell a product here. It was profoundly life-altering. The encounter and the revelation of Jesus Christ for, for Paul and for Peter, right? Everything, the things that they were used to, the things that they were valued, the, what they knew is right and wrong, it all adjusted. It, it, it shifted. And a section when... when uh, uh, other Jewish Christians come from Jerusalem and, and Peter does these actions um, and, and Paul has to respond in this way. Uh, these are big things. And again, out of, of this, this desire of Paul to keep integrity with Christ is entrusted to him. It may have been so easy for so many reasons to explain why it's okay to let it go. In our culture today, we do a lot towards sort of not necessarily justifying, but at least sort of understanding in a way that kind of justifies, right? Well, he's not so, he's not evil. He's, he's this, he's this, he's misunderstood, whatever it is, right? Those actions, well, it's because of these needs, whatever. Paul kept integrity in a passionate zeal because he said, Christ gave this to me. This is what I'm sticking with. Even if it puts me up to confronting Peter, who's reputed as a pillar of the church, who, right? Sit with this passage. Take this in. I think sometimes we fail to see how significant this thing is. The idea, and, and Pastor Daniel and Pastor David, again, they've been preaching on this um, the last few weeks, the idea of us not being under law anymore, free from the law, saved through grace, Jesus Christ living in us, our old selves crucified with Christ. Again, can be the shoe. We're used to wearing it. 
I wonder if we recognize how, how deeply profound this is. I wonder if I recognize it, to be honest. And I'm the one here on the mic. Like I said, I started reading this essay, and I started, this is big. I'm not just saying this. Sit with this. And I'll say that again. If you think it's wordy, it's fine. If you think I'm not getting it, that's okay. Just go back to it. Read it again. Think about it. Try to understand it. Try to listen. Try to, to, to look for what Paul's saying and what the Holy Spirit's saying and what he's saying in between. Because I tell you, if you've been feeling in any way that there's something I'm missing, I believe, I proclaim, this might be it. It is a scary thing, actually, in a sense. When you encounter a message like this, and we know that we can actually we can become so familiar that there can almost be sort of an, even a bit of an arrogance about us when we hold this. This is actually a bit of a scary thing. Why? I remember as a kid. Uh, Young kid, probably about my about my daughter Sydney's age, early teenager, and I forget what what it was, but there was something that had been uh, deeply troubling me. I guess as much as it would a teenager, but something that that was really distressing, and been distressing for a while. So it was it was a lot of a lot of uh, there was emotional anguish, spiritual anguish, a lot of stuff that was there. And our church at the time was on Mount Lehman Road. And I remember clearly uh, one night where I decided I, I needed prayer. I needed to have this. I just, uh, it's one of those things when, when you feel that trouble inside and you, you long for grace or you long for freedom or you long for just that thing to go away. You long for relief. And I longed for relief. And I, I went up front and, and uh, got, got prayer. And they, uh, a few people laid hands on me and prayed. And you, and you know what? Uh, miraculously and joyful, guess what happened? It started to go. It was going. I felt it going. I felt peace and freedom come in. And you know what it did to me? It terrified me. And I actually reached out and took it back. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? The very thing I wanted out of me as it was going, scared me, and I took it back. Because that peace was unfamiliar. I'd gotten used to that thing I hated, and maybe I hated it, but I knew what it was. We get comfortable sometimes in our misery. We hate it. Maybe comfortable is not the right word. Familiar is probably better. We know what it is. We don't want it. We want it gone. But sometimes to let it go and to embrace something else is a little bit scary. A little bit difficult. 
Because we may not want that thing in our lives, but at least we know what it is. And it's hard to embrace what you don't know. And I took that thing back because I was scared of that peace, that very thing I longed for. With the law and with grace, we can find ourselves in that exact same thing. Because it's not just receiving grace, and that can be really hard actually sometimes. Sounds wonderful, we long for it. And we actually have the opportunity to receive it or to extend it. That's not always an easy thing. So it can be hard to take something. It can also be hard to let something go. And holding on to that law find a whole bunch of reasons why. But to let go and to take grace, it's a scary thing. At least for some people. Maybe not for everybody, but for some. I'm hoping this in some way kind of whets your appetite to come to this. To sit with this passage. Because there is something in here that Jesus Christ thought was important enough to go directly to Paul to give him this. And Paul thought was important enough to be very zealous in guarding this. But for someone that had his reputation changed, it would have been a lot easier to go and kind of sidle up with a few people that would boost his reputation up or give him that safety, that acceptance. It's okay, guys. He's one of us now. He's got our seal of approval. He's with our party. We're good. He didn't do that. There is something here that changed Martin Luther's life. Even though he knew this, he preached it, he studied it, he taught it, he missed it. To the part where God took the blinders off. And then his life radically changed. There is something here that God has given to you, to each one of us, to all who will call on the name of Jesus Christ, that will radically alter your life. That's no joke. That's not an exaggeration. It's not. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me? Christ lives in you? Your old self crucified? Your old nature dead? That you are now in Christ, he in you? That sonship, being an heir? All this, we, we hear this. We've heard this. It's the old shoe. Go back to it. Sit with it. Chew on it. Ask the Holy Spirit to make this alive to you. This may be that part that you've missed. This may be the part where maybe the blinders come off. I don't know how serious this sounds, but I'm, I'm telling you, this is, this is something that's good. You've been wanting life? 
You've been wanting passion again? You've been wanting hope? You've been wanting to kind of have your spirit settled a bit? This is a great place to park. You want to know Jesus Christ? Come here. Take a look at this. Ask the Holy Spirit to talk with you about this. Sit here. Passages like this, it's easy to go through, right? We can go and we can grab those little bite-sized fortune cookie pieces, right? Put them on bumper stickers in our Facebook pages or Instagram or whatever, and they're great. They're, they're powerful. They're the word of God. We need that. Some of these longer pieces that have a little bit more words in it and a little bit less <laughs> flair, we, we tend to pass over that a little bit, right? It's, it's hard to fit that all in a nice Instagram picture. Sit with it. Go back to that. Galatians 2, 11 to 21. Look what Paul's doing here. Look at the message the Holy Spirit's given to him. This is for you now. This is for your life. Today, wherever you are, this matters to you. Even if you think it doesn't. Even if you think, I'm, I'm, I've, I've read that. I know it. I can teach it. I can preach it. Don't let it be an old shoe. There's something here. Next week, we're going to look a little bit, we're going to dig into this a little bit more, going to the blessings of Abraham. That was the original intention. <laughs> but we have to take the step before we get there. So sit with this this week, please. Go to it. Read it. Read it again. Read it again. Do ask the Holy Spirit, sit with it to understand as best as possible, to connect the dots as much as possible. Start with this. Don't go to the commentaries. <laughs> don't go to the, the internet or, or, or Wikipedia or whatever. Don't, don't start there. Pull out your Bible. Open that up. Read that. Read that a few times. Maybe eventually after you've read that a few times, then check out what a few people have to say. But start here. Start with what Jesus Christ gave directly to Paul, that Paul was zealous in safeguarding before we get other people's opinions on it. <laughs> okay? They might be great educated opinions. We need that. I'm all for that. But let's start with the source. Go to that. Read it. Read it again. That's as, as, uh, as simple and as practical as I can keep this. Amen? Yeah. All right. We've got, a, we've got a, a task. We've got a charge. And we've got a message. Holy Spirit, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord God. Um, there is so much to say. You have given us so much. I just want to say thank you. Please continue to speak to our hearts. Reveal this incredible gift that you've given us to each one of us, even again. Lord God, let there be even a new uh, love or, or a new fervency. Not about new information, Lord God, just believing the truth of what you've said. 
this wonderful, amazing, incredible, even scary gift that you've given us. Take away our blinders. Bring us, uh, you've made us alive in Christ. Help us take this in. This wonderful gift you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.